This morning, yesterday, I kind of left it somewhat questionable as to whether I would be on this morning or not um, because of uh, uh, my daughter and son-in-law leaving town. And I ran to the house this morning and before they left and saw the dogs and just tried to, you know, ease the dogs into the fact that their their people are not going to be home for a week. So I tried to ease them into that uh uh, but I'm back. I'm here, and we're going to continue in Acts chapter 8 uh, this morning and uh, uh, looking at uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, and uh, I will get us into this. We, we finished off the teaching yesterday uh, in verse 25, looking at Simon 
the sorcerer actually uh, who wanted to buy the power of the Holy Spirit for money. We talked about we have to be careful of people who are trying to uh, trying to do that type of thing, you know, uh, trying to sell actually the Holy Spirit or sell the works of God. We must be so very careful of that type of thing. Now, that's not to say that, that people in ministry won't will ask for money. Uh, I will ask for money. Um, I have asked, and I'm in a, in a spot in life where that will be a, a major part of what I do, most likely talking to people about participation, but it's not with the promise of if you do this, then God's going to do this. It's just simply we'll be asking for sharing in the ministry uh, uh, ministries of which I'm a part and, uh, you know, to, to not be shy about that at all. Again, the difference being that often those say, Hey, if you do this, then God's going to do this for you. Uh, I'm not going to give those promises because although there is some biblical precedent, uh, in the writings of Paul, uh, for what God will do, uh, in taking care, and even what Jesus says in taking care of us, it, it isn't quite uh, wrapped up the way that uh, sometimes it is uh, proclaimed uh, on modern airwaves. So uh, we're going to pick up at verse 26 today in Acts chapter 8, uh, looking at the Ethiopian eunuch, and, and here we see right at the top of the page, says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from uh, Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he, the angel gives very specific instruction. Now, it doesn't say the Holy Spirit. It says an angel. It doesn't say the angel of the Lord. Uh, so this this begs the question as to exactly how Angels may serve to direct and to guide us or what part they play in our lives. The writer to the Hebrews uh, speaks about angels being ministering servants sent on our behalf to do work on our behalf. So there's the work of the Holy Spirit. There's the work of the holy and, and the wicked angels, the wicked angels trying to deter us from the things of God, the holy angels appointing us uh, to the things of the Lord and to the ways of the Lord. So you have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and you have the angels all doing their all doing their bidding. Now, the angel obviously been told by the Spirit of the Lord or by the Lord that Philip should go down to a particular road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. Uh, you might, I don't, I don't recall there being a Gaza gate. I'd have to go back and look at the gates of Jerusalem again and see. But a particular road in, in the day in which this is written, people will know, oh, that's the road. You know, it'd be like, um, take um, take the road that goes from Winterport to Brewer. Well, we all know that's probably 1A. Uh, or take the road that goes from Belfast to Augusta. Well, we know that that's Route 3. Kind of in the same type of thing, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And it says, so he started out, and on his way, 
he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasure of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. Uh, this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Now, it wasn't a book. It was a scroll. He had somehow gotten his hands on a scroll. The scrolls were meticulously uh, copied by the scribes. Every every jot and every little tittle, every little mark, uh, supposed to be the same. I mean, it, almost as good as mimeograph uh, or as copy machine. He had gotten a copy of uh, of the book of Isaiah, and he's sitting there reading it. Now, he, he as an Ethiopian, is likely a, a black man. Uh, some would, when some would say, some scholars would say that when it says Ethiopian, it is largely meaning uh, black people. Um, but because of the very specific nature uh, of the description given in verse twenty-seven uh, of exactly what he did, he was in charge of the treasury, so he was an accountant. He was the treasurer, if you will. Uh, for the queen of the Ethiopians. Um, he probably was a proselyte to Judaism. He probably had heard the teaching of Judaism and had given himself to following in, in the ways of Judaism, the, the Hebrew way, the Israelite way. Uh, and because of that, he had gone to, uh, he had gone to worship in Jerusalem. Uh, we don't know particularly the time of year, other than he has gone, probably gone up for one of the primary feasts uh, that was taking place in Jerusalem. Uh, but he has interest in spiritual things because on his way home, he's sitting in his chair reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. He isn't just scrolling Facebook. He isn't just scrolling YouTube. Uh, he isn't reading some other book. He is reading the scriptures. It indicates a spiritual interest <clears throat> that this man had, excuse me, uh, and that he was wanting to, to learn more things of the Lord. And the Lord knew this. The Lord knew this man's heart. <clears throat> and he knew that the man was primed. He knew the man was ready to, to hear the gospel. Now, thinking of where is Ethiopia in relationship uh, Ethiopia, I'll put this this up here on the map, and you can see it. The Horn of Africa over here, you can see it is in the, the gold color on top of the orange or the orange color, the darker orange on top of the lighter orange, whatever your eyes are seeing where you are. But this, this area here being Ethiopia. So he, he's traveled this direction, most likely uh, down from Jerusalem, which is about where the pointer is, and would travel back down to Ethiopia. Uh, quite quite a, a trip, uh, for the record. Um, I don't know exactly how many miles, but we can see the area from which perhaps he had traveled uh, if that was Ethiopia. Now, Ethiopia could have been a larger area in that day. Uh, let's bring this up. 
biblical archaeology report. Yeah, Cush, it is it is showing the same area here on on uh, uh, at archaeology, the archae- Bible archaeology report, kind of showing it in the same area. Just trying to give you an idea of, of the length of travel that this man is making. Uh, and what he is doing and indicating this, this spiritual interest that he has. Now, what is an, a eunuch? A eunuch is a person who has been castrated by their master. Oftentimes, this would take place to uh, to keep servants in line, to keep them from lying with if there were uh, concubines. Um, this particular person was a high court official, and um, he was in Israel, we know, to worship the Lord of the temple. Um, but yet he would have this life-altering encounter. Uh, a eunuch is a man who's castrated for the purpose of trusted servitude in a royal household. You can reference that out of uh, the book of Esther, the first chapter, the book of Daniel, the first chapter. It says a king or queen would often castrate servants to ensure they would not be tempted to engage in, engage in sexual activity with others in the palace, specifically the royal harem, uh, or to prevent their plotting an overflow uh, because eunuchs were incapable of setting up a dynasty of their own because they could have no children. Uh, they've been employed in many civilizations, uh, including the ancient Middle East, ancient Greece and Rome, China, Korea, Thailand, and Jesus even mentions them in Matthew chapter 19. So that is who these eunuchs are, uh, and kind of an unfortunate lot for them. Now, let's get back into the book of Acts. He's sitting in his chariot. Now, it says in verse 29, the spirit told Philip. So now we see an angel in verse 26. We see... uh, the spirit specifically referenced in verse 29, spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. So he's reading it aloud. It says, do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. And the man says, how can I, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, Coloring in the lines a little bit, it is uh, it is quite likely that um, he said to Philip, do you understand what this means? And Philip said, yes, I can give you insight into what this means. And so that's why the invitation to come up and, uh, and to sit and to read. It says the eunuch was reading the passage of Scripture. He was led like a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before the shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. It says the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? It's interesting. The point in time in which this man is reading this text of Scripture, which points directly to Jesus. Um, Verse 32, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter as a lamb before the shearer is silent. He did not open his mouth. It was not that long before 
this man is reading the section of Scripture that Jesus had been crucified uh, and that Jesus had been buried, uh, that Jesus had been resurrected, and that now Jesus has been uh, has ascended into heaven, uh, drawn up into heaven. Uh, and so this man reading this at this particular point in time, how God orchestrates the details to put everything as he wants it so that he can get the outcome that he is looking for. So interesting. The man is reading this passage. The, the angel and the spirit, let's call it the divine direction, given uh, through, uh, through heaven's gates, whether it's through an angel or through the spirit. Uh, God orchestrates the details, not in a coincidental, coincidental fashion, but rather in a providential fashion. Uh, in which he gets Philip to go and talk with this man. This man is primed, and in this very exact moment is reading this passage of Scripture. The word that we would use for this is the word divine appointment. I mean, God has orchestrated things divinely that these two people would meet at this very moment. Do you believe that God can orchestrate things that way? I believe in divine appointments, and I, I believe we need to pray that God help, help us to have eyes that are open, hearts that are receptive, uh, that we would see um, divine appointments in front of us, that we would have hearts that can be directed by the Spirit for such times as this. Uh, that is our prayer. And uh, that we would pray that way, that we would think that way, that our eyes would be open that way, that that our hearts would be tuned that way, that, that we would have and see and engage in divine appointments. Now, what's a divine appointment? God brings two people together for his divine purpose. That's what a divine appointment is. And I believe that, that we can have more divine appointments if our eyes are open, if our hearts are open for the Lord's direction, we can have... Uh, we will experience more divine appointments. What was the point of this divine appointment? This divine appointment wasn't just so they could take coffee and mendazi together. This this was not the, the reason. The reason was spiritual in nature. The reason was so that this man could be drawn to faith in Christ. He, at this exact moment, is reading a passage of Scripture that, that speaks so directly of the Lord Jesus Christ and Philip proceeds to tell him. So back into the text we'll go uh, and see how this unfolds. Verse 35 here says, So then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Now, it is likely that this eunuch has heard about John and the baptism of John. Uh, it may be that he has even heard about the baptism uh, of Jesus' disciples or, or that his disciples were baptizing. It could be that Philip has informed him about baptism. It could be that, that Philip has actually said the words, and we don't know. It doesn't tell us here in Acts believe and be baptized. 
because that's what Peter said back in Acts chapter 2, um, and, and we read that in different places, believe and be baptized. So it is quite likely that Philip has articulated those same words to this man. Uh, verse 35 says, Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Are we prepared to begin with a passage of Scripture and point people to Jesus? Now, I, I do not believe that every passage points to Jesus. There are some who will make that statement, but the fact is not every passage points to Jesus. Um, but a good many do, uh, and you can use a good many both in the Old Testament and again, that's all they had. They only had the scrolls of, of the Old Testament. Uh, and so that is exactly what uh, P, uh, what Philip uses here to point the man to Jesus. But are you prepared to go into passages of Scripture and point people to Christ? It's my prayer that we would be prepared to, to open up the Scripture. Now, even if we're in a, in a place where uh, it doesn't talk about Jesus, I mean, you, you can use that as a stepping stone to get to a passage that does talk about Jesus and does talk about the gospel um, and will point people to Jesus, even as this man does, uh, even as Philip does here uh, with this man. Verse 38, uh, after verse 36, where he says, why shouldn't I be baptized? It says, he gave orders to stop the chariot. It was a large enough chariot that... Uh, Someone else was driving. It doesn't say he ordered the horse to stop. Uh, he, he was an important enough of an official that he may have even had somewhat of an entourage with him, uh, at least a driver. So verse 38, he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. The man believed. Now, verse 37 isn't in the most reliable manuscripts, but we will read what is said here in kind of the, the gray, uh, grayed out verse in the brackets. Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, again, the most reliable manuscripts do not have that verse, but there are some manuscripts that have that verse, so it is included here uh, in this way. Um, the man did believe. They both went down into water. Uh, the eunuch was baptized. Uh, this takes place, and then it says in verse 39, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. The man had been born again. The man uh, had come into new life in Christ. And so he he's gone away rejoicing. Friend, is that your experience with the Lord? that you would go on rejoicing for what the Lord has done for you. That's my prayer, that you would be one who would come up uh, having been baptized, that you'd be one going to church to worship, and that you would go about your day rejoicing for what the Lord has done for you. Now, it says in verse 39, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip um, away, and the eunuch did not see him again. You know, now we don't know whether it's like poof, instantaneous. Some would read it that way, or it might just simply be that when they came up out of the water, the, the, Philip said, "Okay, 
Uh, you've been baptized. You're on your way. I, I have to go back to what I'm sent to do. Uh, it, it may be, in fact, that, that we would read it in that way. Uh, but what we do know, whichever fashion, whichever form, whether it was an instantaneous poof and Philip was gone, or uh, the Spirit simply leading Philip to begin walking away, we just simply do know that, that they parted ways uh, and it says the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Verse 40 tells us, Philip, however, appeared as at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Now, there are various Caesareas. Uh, there's not just one. There's there's the Caesarea uh, of Herod. Uh, there is uh, it's called Herod's Caesarea. There's the Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea may be a bay, usually on the water. He went to one of the Caesareas, and he went about preaching. Um, verse 40 has an interesting uh, word to it. It says, Philip, whoever appeared at Azotus. Again, is it a case of he uh, shows up there by via walking there? Or was it a poof? I mean, do things like that happen? Did something like that happen? We don't know. What we certainly do know is that Philip ended up in this town, and he traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. The gospel was to be spread. The gospel was to be carried to other places. Philip was to preach in other places. He had to do what the Lord had for him to do. Friends, that's what we all need to do, to do what the Lord has for us to do. Perhaps the Lord will put you in a divine appointment with somebody that, that you would be there specifically to point them to Christ. Perhaps the Lord will call you to, to go to places to preach. Some of you would go, well, probably not me. Perhaps the Lord would call you someplace to start a Bible study. Perhaps the Lord would call you to take the message to one person. May we have ears that hear the directives of the Spirit. May we have hearts to, to respond to the Spirit. May we see an increasing number of divine appointments in our lives that people may be pointed to Christ. Well, as we land the plane today, we'll land the plane looking at some prayer requests that, that are given uh, the first prayer request, uh, even before the broadcast got underway this morning, uh, was for Jessica, who had put something in the, the prayer, uh, on the prayer page, just feeling so down, so discouraged, so defeated. So, uh, we Lord, we do want to pray for Jessica this morning. May you lift her spirits. May you lift her heart. May you... Uh, work in her life in such a way that, that she finds encouragement. Lord, we know she's on the, the edge of perhaps great opportunity and perhaps the change frightens her. Lord, it's our prayer that you would bolster her faith, bolster her, uh, her confidence, uh, and that you would do uh, something remarkable in her life today. That is our prayer for our dear sister. Uh, and we have Regala uh, says, please pray for my children's food. Two days, no food. Please pray for my husband. 
uh, husband's health and, and for the ministry that they have. Uh, and I believe coming from India, so Lord, we do pray. And, and there are so many people around the world uh, in this type of situation, but we have a specific request from Regala that you would provide food for them. We think of brothers and sisters in, in places that don't have ready supply like we have here in America. Uh, and things like war, things like political unrest stand in the way of, of supply where supply is needed. Lord, would you please provide for this dear sister? Would you please provide for uh, her children and, their, and her husband? Father, we lift them to you and, and pray that you'd provide for the needs. We think of our friends in Sudan and South Sudan, uh, South Sudan's uh, supply chain being affected by war in Sudan. Lord, would you cause that war to cease, even as we pray you'd cause the war in Ukraine to cease, uh, that supplies would get to people who need to uh, have food and clean water. Father, also prayer, uh, Claire, sharing uh, that God is calling them to reach out to the Philipp Filipino community in Maine to share with them. Uh, Lord, uh, just the elders just last night talking about the idea of people being sent uh, and the gospel being spread. Lord, would you help us to know how we as a church come alongside Claire and Dennis for the spread of the gospel, perhaps for the establishment of a Filipino uh, ministry right here in the state of Maine. And Lord, as they prepare to go to uh, the Philippines, would you create divine appointments for them even there, to uh, run into or to be connected with people who would uh, help them be directed. There's, there's lots of ministry in the Philippines. We know there's good ministry and there's bad ministry, but there's lots of good ministry. And Lord, we pray that the people, uh, the family, that Claire's family would get connected to people who are doing outstanding jobs in the area of disciple-making particularly. So Lord, we lift them to you as they prepare to, to head uh, to... Uh, to the Philippines here in the not-too-distant future. So, Lord, as we get into our day today, we've lifted to you our request. We pray that you'll hear our prayer, uh, and you'll answer our prayers on behalf of uh, all of our brothers and sisters and friends, both here locally and around the world. We look to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, friends, that's a wrap for today. Uh, we will pick up tomorrow in Acts chapter 9. Uh, with the conversion of Saul. Have a great day, everyone. I will see you tomorrow.